This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Healthy vs. Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. Well, this is Dr. Grande. Today, I have a couple questions. The first is, what is attachment theory? And the second is, how does attachment theory relate to personality disorders? So attachment theory is mostly based on a child's relationship with their mother. Now, this can also include a caregiver other than the mother, but almost all the time when we see it in the research literature, it's specifically talking about the relationship with the mother. Now, some researchers believe that attachment theory may be able to partially explain the development of anxiety, depression, personality disorders, as well as other factors like marital problems, poor academic performance, and other negative outcomes. So essentially, attachment may be a major determining factor in the organization of personality, and it may be etiological to psychopathology meaning it may contribute to the cause of mental disorders. Now, considering what we know about personality and psychopathology, this is a fairly bold claim, those that really kind of support attachment theory in this role. This is giving attachment theory a lot of influence and, in essence, minimizing the effects of other environmental factors and genetic influences. Even still, it is hard to deny that attachment is critical. It seems to have effects across a few different domains, although the research literature is really mixed in terms of specifics. We don't get a lot of specific connections from attachment theory over to psychopathology. I'll talk about some of the findings that we see in the research literature in a moment. Now, attachment theory really isn't talking about one theory. There are actually many attachment theories, and each have different attachment styles. One of the main challenges with attachment theory, in terms of understanding it, really has to do with the separate theories and all the attachment styles that they have. We see the same words or similar words used in different ways to mean different things with all these attachment styles. It can become confusing quite quickly. For example, if we look at the work of a researcher named Bowlby, who developed really the first popular theory of attachment, we see in this theory there is both secure and insecure attachment. So that's something that really continued on into other theories. And with this theory specifically, insecure attachment itself is actually divided into two types. So essentially, we can look at all attachment as either secure or insecure, and then we can further divide the insecure type into anxious and avoidant attachment styles. 
Now, here's where things get a little more confusing. Anxious is also referred to as preoccupied, resistant, anxious, ambivalent, and anxious, preoccupied. Avoidant is also referred to as dismissive. So really way too many terms that mean the same thing. Looking at the attachment styles delineated by researchers named Maine and Goldwyn, we see it doesn't get a whole lot less confusing. Here we see four styles, secure autonomous, insecure dismissing, insecure preoccupied, and unresolved with respect to loss of trauma, also referred to as disorganized. So this is a bit more straightforward, but still a little confusing, and it is a fairly popular attachment theory. Another fairly popular model comes from researchers named Bartholomew and Horowitz. This model is somewhat similar to the prior model, and both of these models are widely used in the research literature. This model has four styles, and I'm going to explain these in a little more detail. Secure attachment. This is considered healthy attachment. We see a capacity to maintain close relationships without losing a sense of autonomy. We see that somebody places value on intimate relationships, and they are thoughtful when discussing relationships. The second style is dismissing attachment. With this style, we see someone who has restricted emotions, flat affect. They downplay the importance of close relationships. They place a strong emphasis on being self-reliant and independent, and they're not clear and trustworthy when they discuss relationships. Moving to the third attachment style, this is preoccupied attachment. Here we see someone who needs other people to accept them. They tend to idealize others. They are over-involved in close relationships, and we see exaggerated emotionality and incoherence when discussing relationships. And that brings us to the fourth style, fearful attachment. Here we see someone who avoids close relationships because they are afraid of rejection. They tend to distrust other people, and they feel insecure. So most of the confusion occurs between the last two models I talked about, probably because they're so similar. And they are each the basis for separate popular psychometric instruments. So both theories have tests that were based on their respective attachment styles. So this can make it a little tricky when comparing research because one article might use one of the tests based on one theory and another article could use a test based on another theory. And of course, this means it could be challenging to try to compare them. Now, moving toward this relationship between attachment styles and personality disorders, I'll first start with research that looks at attachment styles and all of psychopathology and a few other factors. Now, as I mentioned before, we see mixed results in the research literature. Some studies have found that there is really no association between attachment style and psychopathology, right? Just nothing there. Other studies have found some relationships. Many of the associations are related to the insecure attachment style in general and not necessarily the individual insecure attachment types. We see a positive association between insecure attachment and criminality, as well as violence. We also see that insecure attachment has a positive association with cluster B personality disorders. So cluster B has four personality disorders, antisocial, borderline, narcissistic, and histrionic personality disorders. Now, the dismissing attachment style is related to conduct disorder, substance use disorder, as well as narcissistic and antisocial personality disorders, and preoccupied attachment increases the risk of being diagnosed with schizotypal, borderline, histrionic, and obsessive-compulsive personality disorders. Now, there's something interesting about the attachment styles and the relationship to psychopathy. 
One of the outcomes from some of these measures of attachment styles is cannot classify, meaning somebody takes the test and the test cannot determine what type of attachment style they have. It would appear perhaps they don't have any attachment style at all, not secure and not insecure. This particular finding, cannot classify, is actually associated with psychopathy. I find this interesting because one of the observations I've made when working with people who score high in psychopathy is they don't tend to have an appreciation for the importance of attachment as a general construct. So they might look at a mother who is being very distant from a child, like she's being extremely rejecting, kind of cruel, and they don't really think anything about that. They don't feel a certain way about it, whereas individuals who are not psychopathic would react strongly to that. It's almost like those high in psychopathy are just indifferent to the whole issue of attachment in general, as I indicated. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, another way to view this model is to think about the distinction between self and others. So the way somebody thinks about themselves and the way somebody thinks about others. And I think this is a really interesting way to conceptualize the attachment styles. So with secure attachment, we see a positive view of self and a positive view of others. So everything's positive. With the preoccupied attachment style, we would see a negative view of self and a positive view of others. So a person doesn't feel too good about themselves, but they like other people, right? That makes sense when we think about the preoccupied attachment style. Now, the dismissing attachment style, that person would have a positive view of themselves, but a negative view of others, right? So they feel good about themselves, but they don't like others. And then the fearful attachment style, we would see a negative view of self and a negative view of others. So everything's negative with that attachment style. Now, somebody could clearly fit into one of those categories, or they could be kind of in more than one at the same time. For example, somebody could have both positive and negative views of themselves, but a negative view of others. So they would be dismissing and fearful. They would kind of be in both categories. Another thing that can happen is that somebody can have a positive and negative view of themselves and a positive and negative view of others. We refer to this as disorganized attachment. Now, when looking at the model this way, we see that attachment theory can be connected to personality disorders conceptually. Now, what that means is that the research literature may not have findings that show that a particular attachment style is associated with a specific personality disorder, but there can still be a way to think about that relationship between attachment styles and personality disorders, essentially a way to bring the two constructs into alignment, a better way that we can understand them. 
Now, the way this is done is to look at each personality disorder and see what fits in terms of the attachment dimension, so the attachment style that would relate to that personality disorder. Then look at the model of self, how somebody views themselves. Look at the model of others, how they look at other people, as well as a central belief that they have that maintains the personality disorder. I find that this is actually a really useful way to think about personality disorders from another angle, right? To use attachment theory to understand personality disorders a little bit better. So I'm going to go through each of the 10 personality disorders and look at the various factors that I just talked about. So I'm going to line up the attachment style, the model of self, the model of others, and the belief to each personality disorder. So starting with cluster A personality pathology, we see paranoid personality disorder. Here we see a fearful attachment style. The model of self would be special, unique, and different. So almost seems like it lines up a little bit with narcissism. In terms of others, others can't be trusted. In terms of the belief, I am safer being alone because others can't be trusted, right? So all those kind of make sense in terms of paranoid thinking. Moving to schizoid personality disorder, the attachment style is dismissing. The attitude towards self is passive and unaffected. Others are emotionally unresponsive, and the belief is the world is unresponsive. Therefore, I'm not going to bother creating relationships. Moving to schizotypal personality disorder, we see two attachment styles are really represented, fearful and dismissing. In terms of the self, this is really non-existent. There's no sense of self. And this is the only personality disorder like this. In terms of others, others do not have good intentions. And in terms of the belief, I am unusual. Now moving to cluster B, personality pathology, starting with antisocial personality disorder. Here we see a combination of fearful and dismissing. The model of self, at the core, this is really unlovable, but the appearance is entitled. And we think that is defensive. So somebody has a sense of entitlement to protect themselves. But again, they don't feel like they can really be loved. In terms of the model of others, others will never love or care for me. And in terms of the belief, I need to be tough and powerful so no one will hurt me. Moving to borderline personality disorder, the attachment style here is disorganized. And this is the only personality disorder that has this type of attachment. So with the model of self, of course, we have both positive and negative. And when looking at others, we have both positive and negative. In terms of the belief, we see I can't tolerate things not going my way. Others are great. And no, they're not. So again, we see that back and forth that typifies borderline personality disorder. Now moving to narcissistic personality disorder. Here we see fearful and dismissing. The model of self is extremely fragile, but there's an appearance of confidence, right? So this is interesting because if we look at antisocial, which I just talked about, we see the model of self is one way, but then there's an appearance of something else. We have the same thing with narcissistic personality disorder. In terms of the model of others, others expect greatness from me and the belief I'm entitled to special treatment. Looking at histrionic personality disorder, we see preoccupied attachment, the model of self, insignificant and unimportant. Looking at others, others are a valuable source of attention. So notice how the model of self and the model of others really work together here. Insignificant and unimportant, that's what they think of themselves, 
and others are a valuable source of attention. So that attention kind of satisfies those concerns of feeling insignificant and unimportant, right? So that relationship seems pretty clear and it makes sense how it progresses here when we look at histrionic. In terms of the belief, I need the attention of others to feel valuable. Again, quite consistent with what we already see here. Now moving to cluster C, personality pathology, and the first disorder here is avoidant personality disorder. We see preoccupied and fearful. So the model of self, frightened of rejection and inferior. In terms of others, others are to be avoided. And the belief, even though people will reject me, I want someone to like me. Now looking at dependent personality disorder, we see a preoccupied attachment style. The model of self, fragile and inferior. In terms of others, others need to take care of me. And the belief, I am a weak person and I cannot survive without others. And that brings us to the last personality disorder, obsessive compulsive personality disorder. We see a preoccupied attachment style here, the model of self, unfailingly reliable. Looking at others, others expect me to be perfect. And the belief, I must always be prepared to prove my competency. So again, I find this a really useful way to look at attachment theory and personality pathology at the same time. It kind of brings them together. It's kind of a quick yet still profound way to explore the personality disorders and how they function, what people are kind of thinking if they have one of those personality disorders. It's sometimes difficult to relate attachment theory to personality pathology and to personality traits in general. And this offers kind of a conceptual model that I think can be useful in clinical practice. So if you're working with somebody with a particular personality disorder, it gives you, again, kind of a fast way to say, how could this relate to attachment theory? Is there anything going on with attachment theory that I need to pay attention to based on the personality pathology that I'm working with? Attachment theory is deeply rooted in psychoanalytic theory, and psychoanalytic theory isn't necessarily really popular right now. It always has a research base that's there, but it's not, again, kind of exceedingly popular, like we see with cognitive behavioral therapy, for example. So I think when psychoanalytic theory kind of became more minimized, attachment theory went along with it. And I think this is a little bit unfortunate because I think attachment theory actually does explain a lot, but without a lot of research into it, we're not going to find out what those connections really are. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The producers for this show are Christopher Breitigan and Madison Linden. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslanga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslanga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslanga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. 
This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who have overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection, and interview top thought leaders, game changers, and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover, and how to be brave.